Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. Today, I'm going to read out of John chapter 11, if you're new to church. I'm going to read a little bit more than usual. Uh, I'm going to talk a story. It's, it's, it's actually fitting because I said, Lord, what do you want to talk about today? And he said, I want you to talk about super glow. Hey, it's like, I like that, Lord. And uh, I'm like, super glow, that's a good idea. He's like, I know it's a good idea. So God gives good ideas. I'm talking about super glow today. Uh, this passage we're going to read today was the Super Bowl of Jesus' miracles. Jesus did a lot of crazy miracles. He actually, uh, he actually opened up blind eyes, hocked a loogie on one guy's eyes, made mud, white mud in another man's eyes. He, you'd be on the news today for that. He talked so good that people forgot they were hungry for three days at a time. I heard a story. Remember, his first miracle was at a wedding, right, that he turned water to wine. I heard a story about a guy that was trying to stop drinking, and his wife found wine in the refrigerator. And when she found it, she said, babe, what is this? And he said, Jesus did it again. (laughs) He's done a lot of miracles. But the greatest miracle, including raising two people back from the dead, Jairus' daughter, which he sent a word and healed him, healed the daughter. And the other one was the the widow of Nain, her son. Both of them, they say, though, were just newly dead, meaning that maybe they were in a coma coma and just passed away. And and Jesus brought them back right after they had passed. This miracle was not a, you just died and now you came back to life. This was a, you've been dead for four days. Say it with me, super. This was not a miracle. This was a super miracle. This was the Super Bowl of Jesus' ministry miracles. And I I thought it was fitting today to talk about not the Super Bowl, but the super glow. And today, I believe Lazarus was maybe the greatest glowing Christian in the ministry of Jesus. This guy had a testimony that literally said, I was dead before he came into my life. He brought me back. That was funnier than I thought it was going to be. We're going to have a good time today. If you like laughing, you'll probably like our church. If uh, laughing offends you, you'll probably be offended. But if you get mad today at me at my message, you can email me at Joel Faust at Hotmail. Let's do your... <laughs> that was funny. Um... John chapter 11. Let's turn there today, get on this mission. Uh, I want to talk about super glowing Christians, super glow, super glow. Uh, It's a story about a guy named Lazarus. Jesus loved this guy. He had two sisters. He was raised with two sisters. And uh, we know the story goes that a certain man, verse 1, let's start reading 1 through 7 here together. It says, now a certain man was sick. Say it with me. He was sick. Sick. What was he? He was what? Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the town of Mary, and his sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, the sisters sent to Jesus. Watch this interesting what what they sent. They said, Lord, watch watch what the letter said. Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Now, I don't know about you, but if my sibling was at the point of death, and I was sending one letter to Jesus who was physically on the earth, my letter might be a little longer. It might, might include maybe a arrival time, a summonsing, hey, need you here by tomorrow at 6 p.m. He might not make it through the night. Would you please come? Would you please heal my sick brother? But notice that their letter, because listen to me, Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Watch me. It's so important to catch this is that they knew that they did not have to ask Jesus to heal Lazarus. They just had to tell him that he was sick. And it goes on, he says, he's sick. You love him, he who you love is sick. Can I stop there? I might feel like preaching a bunch today. Some people don't think that God loves them because they're sick. Some people actually, they view the presence of sickness as the absence of God's love. And if that was true, then God did not love Lazarus. 
People say, Mark, I have a problem with Christianity because people get sick and they die. People, people go through suffering. People die early in life. Good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. And I have a problem with believing in Jesus because of the sickness and the evil in the world. I want you to know that I believe evil and suffering in the world is greater evidence of God existing than non-existing. How could you say such a bold statement? Because to, to warn us all human beings, if we were not created by God, why do we all agree that torturing babies is evil? Why? If we could say definitively that there is evil in the world, we have to simultaneously acknowledge that there is justice and there is righteousness in the world. Who programmed us? Why throughout history has courage and bravery always been honored and murder always been looked down upon? I would suggest to you that every program has a programmer. And today I want to say that there's sickness in the world, but that is not the absence of God's love. So he who you love, sorry, got sidetracked. He's sick. When Jesus heard that, his sickness, he says, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Jesus loved, say it with me, loved. He loved Martha, 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 and her sister, and Lazarus. So when they heard that he was sick, he stayed there for two more days in the place where he was. Now, just fun fact, he was 20 miles away from Bethany. So he was a one-day journey. If he left immediately, it would take him one day to get there. It says that Lazarus was in the tomb for four days. I'll give you one little bit of math today, and I'll stop, so no, no headaches. But if he was dead for four days, the messenger was sent day one. He arrived at Jesus day two. He returned. It says he waited two days, or a day to re day return. Day three, Jesus left. Day four, he arrived. So he, Lazarus was dead by the time the messenger brought the report to Jesus. So he... He waited two more days. Have you ever noticed that Jesus never seems to be in a hurry? Yeah. Has anybody else been walking with God long enough to realize that you're never early, God? Yeah. I use it sometimes when I'm late to a meeting. I'm like, I'm just trying to be like Jesus. Just trying to take my time. He, he shows up a little late. And it goes on. And so he, he ended up coming to them. And it's, he has a conversation with his disciples, verse 17. He says, so when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many, many of the Jews joined the women and Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now, Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went out to meet him. Here's what, this is real talk. She said to Mary, sitting in the house, and now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would still be alive. And there is many people today that you're angry at God because you said if God would have showed up, child wouldn't have died, mom wouldn't have died, this accident wouldn't have happened. I want you to know that God is okay with us bringing our pain to him. But I want you to see the other 50% of her statement. Because 50% of our humanity will tell God as it was and as it is the pain. But faith goes beyond suffering into belief. Watch what he says here. He says, she says, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. He, he'd still be alive. But watch what she says. She doesn't stop there where some of you have stopped. She says something powerful. But even now, but even now, I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. Where does faith live when it comes to sickness, disease, healing? People get caught up. Is this the prosperity gospel? Is this one of those faith preaching churches? I don't know what our options are. <laughs> Pretty sure you wouldn't be here today. This is one of those doubt preaching churches. This is a good doubt preaching. You guys don't believe for anything here, do you? Okay, cool. I can stay. Don't want to change it all. I believe that faith acknowledges the reality of loss, but it still believes that God can do anything. Even now. You have power to whatever you ask God, God will give you. Your brother will rise again. I know he'll rise, she said, at the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said, no, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. 
And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? By the way, you either belong in a same asylum or you believe you belong on the throne of God if you say a statement like this. I am the resurrection and the life. That's a pretty bold statement. Goes on, it says, she says, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God that came into the world. Go with me to verse 38. Then Jesus came to the tomb and groaning in himself, almost done, came to the cave, the stone laid against it, and Jesus, Jesus said, take the stone away. Someone say away. Martha said uh, to the sister of him who was dead, uh, Lord, by this time there is a stench. Say it with me, stench. There is a stench. He's been dead for four days. Four days. How many days? Four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe that you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. Jesus lifted his eyes. He said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. But because of all these onlookers today standing by, I said this that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come on. So he said, come forth. And it says this, he who had died, he who died came out bound. Say it with me. He was alive, but he was, some of you were alive, but you're, he was alive at the word of God, but he was bound. And it says, hand and foot with grave clothes. His actual face was covered with cloth. Jesus said to them, say with me, them. The people close to the dead man, the, the guy that just came back, loose him and let him go. And it says that it was, it was the case. He came back. They end up, chapter 12, sitting down for a, for a meal. The sisters were all about making some good food. And Lazarus was reclining at the table talking to Jesus. And in verse 9 and verse 10 of chapter 12, let's read this one close. Now great many of the Jews knew that he was there and came not only for Jesus' sake only, but they came that they might also see this glowing super glower, my emphasis, named Lazarus, whom he had been raised from the dead, the chief priest plotted to, to, to uh, the chief priest plotted to put Lazarus to death also, because on account of him, many of the Jews believed and went away and believed in Jesus. Lazarus always tries to kill or religion always tries to kill things that Jesus raises. Some of you had an encounter with God, but dead religion brought you back to death. And I believe that today's going to be a powerful Sunday. If you believe it, say Amen. I'm going to pray real fast. I'm going to tell a couple stories, and uh, I'm going to bring us into four ideas. If we will be super glowers, like Lazarus, we have to adopt. Are you ready to go? Father, I just thank you for your presence today. I pray that you'd meet us where we are. I pray whether we're atheist, agnostic, skeptical, Buddhist, Muslim, I pray that today your love would meet us where we are. I ask you that you would speak to us, that you would love on us, that you would open up, God, our eyes to see you as you really are, the awesome Son of God that came to take away the sins of the world. We pray that you bless Ocean's Church today with your presence. Heal, save, restore, deliver. Have your way in Jesus' name. Come on, bless the Lakers. Everyone said. Come on, everybody said. I'm not an uh, English major. My English teachers would tell you that. Um, I'm not good. Grammatically, I'm not an expert. If you are on Slack, you probably counted many of my errors. And if you like policing my grammar, God bless you. I'm not an English major, but I do, I've noticed this, that I like words. Words are powerful. I don't know if you realize this, but words are powerful. I don't know if you've ever said the right thing at the right time. The Bible says it's like apples of gold and settings of silver. Like, that was good. I don't know if you've ever said the wrong thing at the wrong time. And you're like, I want to find a hole. I got to get off this stage. Uh, I've learned this, though, that sometimes it's just one word that changes the attitude of everything. Sometimes you put one word in front of another word and it makes it interesting. I was thinking about how smart the NFL was to say, you know, we have a big bowl game at the end of the season. We want everybody to care about it. What should we do? Let's call it a Super Bowl. For some reason, you put super in front of anything and we are like bugs to light. Have you noticed this as human beings? 
We're interested in super everything. Like, I don't care about that glue. Wait, that's super glue? I could use some super glue. So funny that, man, just certain things just, you put super in front of it, all of a sudden human beings start getting interested. The NFL knows this. You think about a man, it's like, I don't care about a man. Superman? Be a great book. Great movie, maybe a t-shirt. Think about people like, you know what we want to do is we want to make another box, video game box, that plays similar graphic games that has twice as many buttons. It's just like the original Nintendo. Let's charge twice as much. Who will buy it? Anyone that hears super in front of it. It'll be a super Nintendo. Some of you don't care about natural stuff, but if it's super natural, what'd you say? Some of you could care less about Novas. But if it's a supernova, you'll invest in a telescope. Some of you don't even like device at all. <laughs> but if someone offers you to supervise, I could do that. That'd be an honor. Some of you don't care about motocross, but if it's in a stadium and it has super in front of it, you'll show up. It's a targeted joke. Some of you don't like getting cuts. But if it's a super cuts, not much super about super cuts. Can we agree? It's been a successful franchise. That super helped. Some of your slow cars are lacking a charger. That's not super. Some of you don't even care about the market. How can we get people into our grocery store? They don't care about the market. Let's call it a supermarket. I could go all day. I believe that super is a word that draws humanity in. Super Bowl? Like better than the rest? I'll watch it. Super glowing Christians, I believe, is it's a... This miracle in John 11 was a super miracle. It was the Super Bowl of Jesus' three-and-a-half-year miracle spree. This was the, this was the apex. This was the, 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 the top moment of, of Jesus. This was the zenith moment of Jesus' miracle ministry. As I mentioned, he'd raised dead people before, but he had never brought someone back that had been in the grave for four days. This guy wasn't just sick. He was dead. He wasn't just dead. He was decaying. He wasn't just decaying. He stunk. He was in a tomb. And as I was praying for you this week, I heard the Holy Spirit say, Mark, you tell my people that what I did to Lazarus, I'll do to them. He said, my heart for my kids is many of them have no idea, but they are sick. What do you mean sick? I mean, if you don't deal with the direction of your life, you will eventually die. You mean like, I'm talking about your marriage will die. You're sick. Your business will die. You are sick. Your faith is sick. Some of you went to a church, had a bad experience, had a pastor betray you, saw a scandal, pastor left with the organ player, saw something happen in a church, and it made you sick spiritually that you have projected on every other church the sickness of the church you were in. And your soul is sick. Your mind is sick. And I'm telling you, if you stay sick long enough, you will, like Lazarus, die. How do you know if, you de if you're dead? If you're dead, you will begin to decay. You ever seen an open casket when a body's in there, but the soul is gone? It is a shadow of what it used to be. It's not just dead, it's decaying. Cheeks are sinking in. Things are withering that should be sprouting. It's decaying. And if something is dead long enough, it will begin to stink. Let's talk about anything except religion, because, man, you talk about religion, I get really angry. Why? Is your, why is your attitude so toxic? Why are your words so sharp? Why is there so much just venom inside of you when it comes to areas of life? I'm just, oh, I'm just mad about this. I'm angry about this. I'm, I'm, I'm upset. I'm, I'm lustful. I'm perverted. I'm, I'm this. If you stay sick long enough, you will begin to stink. 
And I heard the Holy Spirit say, what I did to Lazarus, I will do to anybody that invites me. What I did to Lazarus, I will do to anybody that invites me. I believe that before Jesus, all of us are sick. Well, we're pretty good that we do bad things occasionally. No, you are born, according to the Bible, which I know is not popular. And most people don't become Christians because they agree with everything that's in the Bible. I agree with everything in the Bible because of what Jesus did. Paul was against all that Jesus taught until he saw Jesus. All right, you're powerful. I'll believe what you said. It is what Jesus did that validates what Jesus says. Some of you are waiting to agree with Jesus before you believe in Jesus. If you wait to agree with him to believe in him, you probably never will. But if you'll invite him to encounter you, the reality of his presence will validate the teachings of his word. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know where that came from. I promise you that an encounter with God will change your view of scriptures. Well, I don't like that, that teaching. I don't like that doctrine. I, I like to cut and paste my theology. No, we don't cut and paste theology. When you disagree with the Bible, God changes you. You don't change it. But I'm highly intellectual and sophisticated. I want to remind you it took you three years to talk in sentences. It took you five years to tie your shoes. Took you 18 years to say you're average. 16 years to drive a car. Not well. Another four years to get a piece of paper that says you're smarter than average people. Another 10 years to get a, a doctor in front of your name. That means I'm smarter than pretty much everybody. But I would remind you that what you've done in 28 years, God has been from the beginning. And more. We are a church that believes in a God that has the power, like, 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 like he did to Lazarus, to bring us back from our sick conditions. The Bible says that we are born under the Adamic nature, which means that we are not good people that occasionally do bad. We are born spiritually dead. You are born with a dark, carnal nature. And that's why the more you feed that darkness, you can never extinguish it. Some of you have tried. Some of you said, man, I feel like doing this. My friend was telling me, that my friend shared this powerful testimony at his house the other week. He said, you know what I did for many years of my life? I made a lot of money. I became rich. And my pursuit of freedom with, with sexuality, with drugs, with travel, with leisure, I became a rich, a rich entrepreneur, and I, I lived for freedom. He says, the irony was, the more I pursued freedom in open love and drug use, the more in bondage I became. Freedom is not found in pursuing freedom. Freedom is found in surrender to God. That's where freedom is found. You live for your own freedom, you, re you end up in rehab. You, you go for your own rehab, you end up in divorce after divorce after divorce. You don't get free by pursuing freedom. You get free by, are you hearing me today? I, Lazarus was he, was, he was sick. And I spent 18 years of my life spiritually sick. I saw Christians that were Christian in name and not in nature. You're no better than me. You're no different than me. You're just as dysfunctional. Your vocabulary is just as colorful. Your habits are just as dark. Your language is, or your, your, your lifestyle is just as demented. Your, your mindset is just as dysfunctional, but you say you're going to heaven? And I remember being resentful towards the church because Christians didn't look much like Christ. I say it often, but Christian without Christ in it is Ian. And we have more people that look like Ian than look like Christ. What do we know about Lazarus? He was sick. And I, I could feel God's love, and I'm sorry for being intense today, but it's Super Bowl Sunday. And I'm telling you, I could feel some of you, you're so irritated in your soul. You've gotten everything you've worked to get. You married a model. You live in a nice home, a great neighborhood. You've, you've experienced success in your career. But some reason in your soul, you're like, I should be happier. What is lacking? I feel sick. I feel, if I'm being honest, I, I feel like I'm beyond sick. I feel like my insides are dead. I feel like I'm not feeling the joy that people in my life should feel. And I would go further than that. Not only do you feel dead on the inside, you feel like you're actually getting worse. You're decaying. And you know that you're decaying, again, because it starts to smell. 
Your husband smells it. Your wife smells it. Your kids are smelling it. What's wrong with you? Why, why, why are you so upset? Why are you so moody? What, what's, what's wrong? What's going on with you? And I would tell you today before you, before God, that he told me that many of my sons and daughters have never experienced, number one, if you're going to be a super glower, the power of being raised by God's word. Do you know what got Lazarus out of the grave? Out of death? Out of sickness? Out of decay? Out of the stench? It was a word from the mouth of God. Lazarus, shortest prayer in the Bible. Come forth. Lazarus, come forth. This short phrase, why do he say Lazarus? Because if he didn't say Lazarus, the entire cemetery would have came back. Lazarus, get out of the grave. And he was summoned in his grave clothes. Some of you don't know, how am I ever going to come back to life? I believe some of you are like spiritual lepers, that you have lost feeling in your spirit. And if God can restore the feeling to a physical leper, he could bring back feeling to the numb in this room. Some of you, your conscience is dead feel it this week intense because i could feel how much god loves you i could feel how some of you you hate like man why how can i live so dark and not feel any remorse your conscience died and jesus went to the cross two thousand years ago to resurrect the dead he resurrects dead consciences he resurrects dead minds he he revives dead souls and spirit he can revive a dead marriage he is a resurrection god and I would argue today that it was the resurrection of Jesus that validated the teachings of Jesus. It wasn't a bunch of Ivy League, intellectual, sophisticated Oxford graduates that followed Jesus for three and a half years that went into the known world with blueprints and strategies and strategic visions on how we're going to turn the world upside down. It was eyewitnesses of a man that died after three days, got out of the grave, hung out for 40 days, ate with him, and then ascended into the clouds like Chris Angel or David Copperfield. Angel said the same way you saw him leave is the same way he will return. I'm old school, man. I believe that Jesus is coming again. But he's not coming back for some dec decrepit church. He's not coming back for a bunch of half-hearted, lukewarm believers. He's coming back for Christians that love him more than the ones that he left. He's coming back for a church that has more signs and wonders. I'll preach to myself today, man. I know I'm in Orange County. He's not coming back for a watered-down church. Churches that are just as broken as the world is. He's coming back for some Lazarus that could say, I was dead. Marriage was dead. Business flatlined. Walk with God, flatlined. My prayer life, flatlined. It was so dead, I stunk. You talk church with me, I would just rant and rave. Oh, that, that bleepity bleepity church had colorful language when you talked about church. So did I when I was growing up. You know why? Because I, I had seen too many sick Christians that were still dead, still decaying, and they stunk. And I said, if that's the smell of Jesus, I want nothing to do with Jesus. And some of you were drawn to this church because you're like, this place doesn't smell like some churches. It doesn't smell like dead bodies in here. It smells like life. Come on, smell the spirit of God in these tents. This guy's in tents, he's wearing his wife's jeans, but I can feel the Holy Spirit in this place. These aren't his jeans. They aren't her jeans. <laughs> Lazarus, he was raised by a word. Psalms 119, you know what it says? It says, how can a young man cleanse his way, his, his way? by taking heed according to your word? You know what David says in Psalms 119? He says, Lord, revive me according to your word. Do you know why some of you will leave with the same problems you came in with, but you will feel totally different? It's because God's word has the power to revive the dead parts of your soul. I heard someone boldly preach God's word, and it gave me courage on the inside. I connected with the spirit of God through the words of God. That was the design of heaven. And today, I want to tell you that that Lazarus was a super glower because, number one, he was somebody that actually said, God, uh, number one, he was raised by, by the words of Jesus. I would argue that 2,000 years later, we are still revived 
by the same words. Something about opening up your Bible and saying, God, would you speak to me as I read this book that has the power to revive you? You're sick? Come on. His word will heal you. You're dead? God's word will revive you. You're decaying? God's word will bring you back. And if you stink, come on, it is the words of God that wash us. Ephesians 4 says that God washes us, or Ephesians 5, that God washes us with the water of his words. You ever feel cleaner when you leave church? Like, man, I feel like God just washed me, forgave me. The guilt's gone. The shame feels like it left. I don't feel that heaviness I walked in the tents with. Do you know what happened to you? You got washed off. You can see a spiritual picture right now. It's like God has a fire hose on all of you. He's actually brainwashing you. What do you mean? He's washing your brains. That was offensive. No, he is. He's actually scrubbing the garbage that you've acquired in your 35, your 31 years, your 19 years, 65 years of life. We acquire these, these dark skeletons in our minds. I want you to know today the Lord told me that skeletons are for clothes and vacuum cleaners, not your secrets. Jesus died on the cross so that we don't have to die with secrets. Listen to me. If you confess them to God, you'll be healed. And if you confess them to somebody else, uh, you'll be forgiven if you confess to God. If you confess to people, you'll be healed. First John says, confess your sins to God and be forgiven. James 5 says, confess your sins one to another. Pray for one another that you might be healed. Years ago when I was coming out of my battle, I, I came from a broken home and parents got divorced when I was seven. I got introduced to pornography when I was six or seven years old. I got addicted to it at a young age. I remember when I got saved, everything seemed to change immediately except this pornography addiction. And I remember as I was wrestling with it, I, I said, God, what's going on with me? What's, what is wrong with me, God? And it was interesting that God said, Mark, I, you've, you've asked me to forgive you, and I have. But you're not healed because you've never told anybody about your struggle. I'm telling you that confession to the right people is chemotherapy to the cancer of your soul. Some of you, your, your sin is suffocating the life of God out of you. My wife and I have a policy. We're going to talk about it. We're doing this little, uh, they're calling it, what, 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 what? Day Night with the Francis. We're going to do a little thing after Valentine's Day on the 19th. If you want to register, it's at the booth afterwards. It's going to be great. But we're doing this thing, and we're going to talk about some marriage things that we learned from our parents and from other great men and women. But my wife and I, in our, in our journey of, of becoming more like Jesus, we learned early in our marriage that the simple idea that we have to be 100% honest. Come on. 100% honesty. But also, simultaneously, we have to be 100% forgiving. Listen to me. Marriages are bulletproof when there's 100% honesty and 100% forgiveness. When we stop being honest, we start to die. And when we stop being forgiving, we, stop, we start to die. That was better than your response today, but also. Lazarus, come forth. His word revived him. But notice this, that after he was revived by the word, number two, he was a super glower. Not only because he was raised by God's word, but notice it says this, he was raised, but he was still, say with me, bound. Come on, he was what? Bound. Notice that he came to life spiritually, but he was still in the same clothes that he was buried in. Grave clothes. I, I thought it was interesting, I never saw this before. But watch what it says, it says that, that he was bound, and as he came, it was like the, the power of God lifted him to the face of the tomb, and there was people that came to him, and Jesus said to the people, said, hey, he's, he's bound, so his legs are bound, so he can't walk. His, his head is bound, so he can't. I met many of you in the last couple of weeks that you believe in God because God's word has brought you back to life. But you're like, it's so weird. I came to Ocean's Church two weeks ago. I raised my hand. I invited God into my life. But not every one of my dark habits has left me. Am I alive? Yes. But are you still bound? I would suggest to you, brothers and sisters, that you can actually be alive in God and still bound. That Christianity isn't just about the salvation of your soul. It's about the transforming of your mind. I believe the most important message the world needs to hear is Jesus loves you and he can save you and forgive you. Second most important message is Jesus can renew your mind. 
We have people that have been purchased out of Egypt with an Egyptian mentality their whole life. Don't, God, don't let God just get you spiritually out of Egypt. Let him get your mind out of that dark place. Watch what it, are you still with me today? Watch what it says here. It says that he was brought out bound, legs so he couldn't walk, head was bound so he couldn't see. Some of you believe in God, but you can't see very clear yet. And you're even having a hard time walking with God because you're still bound to the drugs. You're still, you're still bound to the painkillers. You're still bound to the pornography. You're still bound to the lying, to the, to, the, to the dark lifestyle, the party world. Listen to me. You are alive, but you're bound. How did Lazarus get free from the clothes that were attached to his dead life? How did he change his wardrobe? Notice what it says here. Jesus spoke to them. To who? Yeah. To who? Yeah. There was people close enough to the newly living man that they could actually grab the cloth. They were close enough and begin to unwrap the man. Loose him. Loose him. Loose him. Loose her and let her go. Let him go. You know what I believe? I believe that God can heal supernaturally in a minute. Save in a moment. But I believe some of the greatest transformational moments of life is when you get involved in a small group community, when you actually don't just go to a church on Sunday, but you have brothers and sisters that love God more than you do. That you give permission to say, hey, man, I got some grave clothes. Can you grab a hold of this real quick? Hey, man, I, I lied to my wife. I, I stole this from my, my job. I cheated on my taxes. Hey, I just, I just, I'm still having problems with this. Give someone that's close enough to you permission to grab the fabric of your old life and let them have permission to call you higher. Hey, I think that's grave close. How cool to be in a small group where we're like, hey, I, this is just who I am. I'm just an angry, belligerent uh, just, I'm just a liar. I'm just a cheater. I'm just a, I'm a crooked man. I'm just a dead soul. How about you say, hey, that's, that's your grave clothes. Can we pray for you today in my living room? That God would start unwrapping your potential. Lazarus, I know you're alive, but it's time to get rid of some of those things that are tying you up. I feel the love of God and the heart of God saying, yeah, it's good to be alive in God, but it's even better to be free. He brought me back by his word, but he liberated me through community. Some of you believe in Jesus, but you're still bound. And here's a little secret, because you've never been in community. Could I plead with you today? Never gone to a small group? Some of you need to jump, join like a celebrate recovery group. Some of you are so bound that your, your success will be found in actually not only inviting God into your life, but inviting people to start unwrapping your grave clothes. Are you hearing me today? I'm sick. Come on, let's get alive today. I'm bound. Let's get untied today. Super glowers are those, number one, that have been revived by God's word. That have actually not only been revived, but number two, they've been released from their grave clothes. We get rid of the smell of our old nature. We put on a new outfit. Jesus removed the clothes that were preventing him from walking. They removed the clothes that prevented him from walking. You know what a powerful thought is? Is nowhere in the New Testament does it say, Lazarus preached a, a wonderful message. Nowhere in the scriptures does it say, Lazarus was an eloquent extrovert that was very profound and was just a verbal assassin, and he could just open his mouth and slay. Young generation terminology. Nowhere does it say that. But for some reason, it says many believe because of Lazarus. I would argue that it wasn't Lazarus' words because there was none in the Bible. But it was his walk that convinced people. St. Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel at all times. And if needed, use words. Something about walking with God. I believe that there's nothing more powerful than saying the right things and living the right way. And listen to me, parents, there is nothing more toxic than saying the right things but giving the wrong example. We love God, honey. We believe in God. We believe in prayer. Are you modeling it? We trust God in crisis. Are we modeling it? 
I'm telling you, the greatest thing you can do in a storm is fall to your knees. I got woke up on Thursday morning. One of my best friends in Idaho, his wife, took her life. She was young, two little kids. I got to fly to Idaho this week to, to officiate her memorial service. And yes, my wife that rocked me to my core. I've been, I've been helping him. I've been, I've been praying for him and, and counseling him and just loving on him. And to go like this, it was just a severe shot to, uh, to my soul and my spirit. And uh, I just was crying. I woke up. I felt like I, I, I actually talked to him. I went back to sleep for a couple hours, and I was crying in my sleep. Tears. I woke up. I'm like, oh, my gosh, blood vessels in my eyes are broken. I'm so hurting for my friend. I'm going to go there this week. I'm going to talk about her life. Got to celebrate Bernie's life the other day at our church, World War II veteran. But I want you to know that I reaffirm today in front of all of you that I will in Idaho the same way. Reaffirm that this life is not the end. I reaffirm that in, in, the, in the sight of crisis and death, we are not home yet. That heaven views death in the earth like grandparents view the maternity ward. Angels pace back and forth, arriving, uh, anticipating the arrival of new babies. And I believe that our empty bodies on this earth are vacated cocoons for eternal butterflies in God's kingdom. We are not home yet. We have a home hereafter. And God doesn't want to just get you to heaven. He does want to get heaven inside of you. Some of you are sick today. And I, I was praying for his family, and I felt the same, same fight for them that I'm going to fight for you, that we are be a church that overcomes the spirit of death. Suicide will not be welcome in this church. The spirit of death is not welcome in this church. Are you hearing me today? You might be sick today, but you're not going to die. And if you are dead today, you're going to rise. And if you are decaying, God's going to revive you by his word. And God's going to put people in your life that love, love God more than you do. They're going to start pulling off your grave clothes. And when you do, you know what you're going to do? Is you're going to enjoy the power of reclining at God's table. How did Lazarus shine? Number three, I'm almost done. He reclined at the table. Chapter 12, verse 2, it says that Lazarus sat at the table with Jesus. The table, are you with me still? The table represents the place of communion. It represents the place that we let God bless us and break us. And when he breaks us and when he blesses us, he can distribute us to the masses. Some of you aren't ready to be distributed yet because you're blessed but you're not broken. Horses that aren't broken aren't ready to be ridden. And I'm telling you that I value God's his brokenness as much as I value God's blessing. I'm grateful for the good moments of life, but I'm also grateful that God leverages suffering and pain. If you had told me when I was seven years old that my parents getting divorced, that my parents physically fighting in front of me, that my dad's sitting on a gun, uh, on a porch with a gun, saying he's going to take my mom out if she comes home. When I was seven years old, the hell I saw, if you would have said, Mark, God is going to use this tragic pain. He's going to use your dad going through this awful season, wanting to run away from, from California, randomly selecting Idaho. He's actually going to use your dad's second marriage that will end in divorce. He's going to use that too. Because his second wife is going to go to a church called Capital Christian Center. And when, when he starts going to that church, your dad is going to force you to go to a church, serve, a church camp. And at that church camp that your dad's going to force you to go to, you're going to have an encounter with me that will change your life. It will affect where you live, who you marry, what you do, and your kids. One day it will be actually the, 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 the ashes of the divorce will actually be the, the very fertilizer that Ocean's Church movement will come out of. That's the God that we serve. He's the God that can bend tragedy like suicide. He's the God that can bend the tragedy of divorce. He can bend the tragedy of evil in the world. Only God can turn all things together. Come on, I wish you'd give him a good hand clap. He's good. Hey. He's good. He's good. He's good. God can bend hell's worst for your advantage. And I promise you that this week, before God, 
there will be many lives that will be eternally with us in heaven because of the tragedy that hell assigned to my friend's wife. The devil will apologize for, for attacking my friend's wife. We're going to plummet hell. We're going to proclaim the life of Jesus. And I'm telling you, I can feel it this week. There are so many people that wouldn't have been in heaven that it's going to be in heaven because of her loss. That's the God that I serve. That's the God that I know. And that's the God that I worship. Super glowers. They recline at his table. They know how to commune with the Holy Spirit daily. God, speak to me as I read the Bible. We talked last week about making a place and a time and inviting God's presence. But the last thing I would say is that he radiated. I believe the goal of every one of God's sons and daughters isn't just to live to acquire more stuff, which is, by the way, there's nothing wrong with stuff. And if you ever went to a church that made you feel bad for being blessed, don't ever apologize for being blessed. God has no problem with stuff. He has a problem when stuff has a problem with you. When you love stuff more than you love God, then you have a problem. Does that make sense? But hear me today. I, I feel like the Lord says our goal is to radiate his life. Lazarus sat at the table, but it says that many people wanted to come see him. Why? Because they wanted to see the man that was used was formerly dead. Do you know what I think Christianity, you know why it should grow and it is growing? Is because the greatest advertisement that Jesus is real is by seeing people, by, by seeing people that used to be sick, that used to be dead, that used to be decaying, quite frankly, that used to stink. I worked with you for 10 years, you've always stunk. What's happened to you the last two months? You weren't the same person. You're kinder than you've ever been. You're more generous than you've ever been. I can see something's happened. What's happened to you? Like Lazarus, you can say, man, I, I came to life. God has given me a, a purpose for living. Listen to me, none of you are mistakes. None of you are accidents. I don't care if your parents didn't plan you, God did. You didn't come from your parents, you came through your parents. God has a purpose and a plan for every one of your lives. Listen to me. Hell doesn't want you to know this, but every one of your lives matter. Put your thumb in the air. Do you know that you have a fingerprint that no one else on the earth has? Do you know why your fingerprint is different than the other 9 billion people? It's because God wants you to make an impression on the world that no one else can make. If you give up, you can't make that impression. Would you listen to me today? We need you to be God's son and to be God's daughter. We need you to let God revive you according to his words. We need you to be open enough, humble enough, and honest enough to let people close enough to you to unveil your grave clothes. We need you to spend time with Jesus every day so that you radiate his blessing, his brokenness, and being able to offer your life as a light to the world. We need you to radiate the life and the love of Jesus. The world is a dark place. And if we as the lights don't shine, let me ask a question, who the heck will? Christians are little Jesus. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. When Christians stop shining, the world goes to hell. Is that forward enough? We gotta shine, church. We got people dying around us, literally dying around us. You know, it wrecked me in the morning when I found out my friend's wife passed away. This is, the, this is the, the curse of suicide, is it always leaves the living wishing they did more. I rehearsed every conversation, I rehearsed every meeting and every counseling appointment, every time I prayed for him. And I just thought part of me just goes, God, I, I could have done more, I should have done more, I should have done more. I don't know why today, I just feel like the Holy Spirit wants you to know that you'll invite him in, he'll do more in your life. Don't ever listen to that lie that your life isn't valuable to God. Are you hearing me today? Every life matters to Him. And I just want to do this. I feel like the Lord told me to take authority over the spirit of death today. You look at me really clearly today. You came here. Some of you, God told me last night that there was someone that was thinking about suicide. You even actually thought about writing a note this week. The Lord told me that you came today not to plan your death, but because He has a strategy for your future. 
He's going to show you a vision of your life. He's going to show you today a vision of what your life could become. You're going to be a light to those that are in darkness. And I'm telling you that many, many people are going to avoid suicide because of your story and your transparency of going, I was planning to end it, but God got a hold of me. Now I live to help others live. That's a word for someone today. If you will make your life about helping other people live well, life will take on purpose. Would you close your eyes today? Can I have an honest moment in church? I would love it if everyone would pray this prayer. Say something like this, God, what are you saying to me? Try it out. Say, Lord, what are you saying to me today? Put your hand on your heart. Just say, I give you permission to speak. Is there anyone in the sound of my voice? Eyes are closed, heads are bowed. By the way, responding to these moments doesn't make you weak, it makes you strong. It takes strength to respond to God. If you're here today and you say, Mark, I want to respond to God, I feel like if I'm being very honest with you today, my mind is kind of sick, my heart is kind of sick, my spirit is kind of sick. I feel like I'm not healthy. Maybe a church jaded you, a pastor hurt you, a family member wounded you, and you know today that if you don't let God heal your sickness, you might end up dead. Spiritually, in your marriage, your business, your conscience, it'll die if you don't come to God today. If you feel a sickness that God wants to revive, would you just be very honest today? Would you just lift your hand? God, would you heal the sick area of my mind and my heart? Thank you, some honest people in Ocean's Church. I love it. We're an honest church. Thank you. Maybe go even more honestly. Put your hands in and say, Mark, I feel like I'm spiritually dead. Today, maybe I've never been alive spiritually, or if I'm being honest, at one point in my life, I kind of had a relationship with God, but I feel like I walked away from it. Today, would you pray for me, like Lazarus, that I would come back to life spiritually? I want to rededicate my life to God today, or for the first time, I want to ask God, Lord, would you revive my spirit? Would you make me connected to you? I want to live with you and for you from here out. If you've never given your life to God, or you did, but you walked away and you want to come back today, first time decision or rededication, eyes are closed, heads are bowed. We're almost done. God's going to heal some people right now. But raise your hand on the count of three. That's me. One, all over the ten. Raise your hand. Thank you. Hands are already going up. Two, that's me. I want to come back to God or rededicate my life to God. No one's looking right now. Real high. Three, that's me. Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. No one's looking. No one's looking. I'm going to count. I'm going to count. Keep it up. Keep it up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Keep it up. Keep it up. Real high. Ten. Real high, real high. 11, 12, real high. 12, anybody else? I can't see all the way to that 10, but I see 13 hands. Come on, give God a good roar today. Hey. You see here. 13 hands. That's uh, 17 people today. And if you're in line right now and you say, Mark, I want to get right with God. Your heart's pounding out of your chest. You're sweating in parts of your body that you didn't know could sweat. That's the Holy Spirit, my friend. And I would love it today if you would just open the door and say, God, if you're there, come on in. If you're there, come on in. I hear the Lord saying, I am there. I'm knocking at the door of your heart. If you'll open up, I'll come in. Would you just write heart, H-E-A-R-T right now if you're watching online? You know, last week we had seven people, I believe, give their lives to Jesus online. And that's not counting the people that watch it afterwards. When we rebroadcast it, that's live. So I pray for those that need to respond. Just go ahead and respond right now. Oceans, can I ask you to pray with those people today that raised their hands? How many say 12? Uh, this service, 13? I feel like there's a... Uh, thank you, Lord. There's at least two more people. You're embarrassed to respond because you're like, well, what do my friends think of me? How about let's not worry about them for a second. How about let's give God our full attention? I say two, but there's actually four. If you're here and you say, Mark, my heart sped up. I know this is my moment. Something's stopping me from responding right now. I feel paralyzed. I pray in Jesus Christ's name. Any roadblock to give their lives to you, to rededicate their lives to you, I command courage in Jesus' name into every son and every daughter of God. I feel like the bus is getting ready to leave the station, and you don't want to miss your seat. Don't miss this right now. There's four more people that are going to raise their hands. Eyes are closed. Heads are bowed. You didn't raise your hand, but you were supposed to. Would you raise your hand right now on the count of three? No one's looking, I promise. One, safe environment. I was supposed to raise my hand, but I didn't. Two, this is God coming back around. Circle number two. Would you raise your hand? No one's looking. Three, thank you. 
thank you. Just put it up. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. I see two hands. Keep it up for me. I see one, two. Is there anybody else? Two, two more hands. In the back, you see another. There's three. There's three. I'll wait for you. I'll wait for you. There's four. There's four. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Come on, Holy Spirit. Put your hand on your heart. Oceans, would you pray these with this, those people today? Would you say, Jesus, I invite you to revive me according to your word. Would you heal me? Would you forgive me? Would you remove the death, evict the decay, and remove the smell? Wash me with your water. I invite Jesus to be my Lord, my Savior, and the director of my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name. I'd encourage some of you today, we have baptism right after the service. You want to get baptized. This is the best day to get baptized. Well, I want my whole family here. Good news, we have video cameras on our phones. We can capture the moment for Grandma. We'll send it to her. But it's not your quinceanera. This isn't your sweet 16. This is the moment to say, God, I believe. Now I'm going to get baptized. If you've never been baptized and you go, Mark, I think God wants me to get baptized today. We're going to take some grave clothes off. Do you know me? Some of the darkness in my life did not leave until I got water baptized. Some of you need to remove some grave clothes by getting water baptized today. Some of you got baptized as a kid. It didn't mean anything to you. And you want to make a decision as an adult. Say, I know what it means and I want it. If you want to get baptized, I feel courage today. Who says, I want to get baptized today? I think this is my day. Raise your hand real high. That's, I'm going to get baptized today. We have clothes for you. We have clothes for you. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Want to get baptized? If you want to get baptized, we'll dismiss you right now. We have uh, Philip, uh, Tammy right here. Sorry. That's Philip too, but that's Tammy. Um, Tammy's right here. If you want to get baptized, I want to dismiss you. Just real quick, tap your neighbor and say, neighbor, do you want to get baptized today? Go to ask them. So cool. If they say yes, Send them to Tammy. Tammy's going to walk to the church door over there. You can be dismissed. I'm going to take two more minutes. We'll be out of here. Go ahead. There's many people. That's awesome. That's a lot of people, man. Come on. Yeah, give them a hand clap. Going to get baptized today. I love it. Before you leave, look at me real fast. We're almost done. I'm going to close this out. We're about done today. I want to pray for healing, and we'll, we'll conclude the service. All over the tent, you say, Mark, I believe that God can heal me. If you need God to remove the stench of sickness in your body, in your mind, God told me he's going to heal people that are chemically imbalanced today. He told me there's people that have reproductive issues, male and female. There is a woman that has cysts, uh, I believe, and even masses on her ovaries. Someone has a problem with their uterus. There was a guy that has a problem with, his, with even a sperm count. I believe that today, listen to me, God is going to heal some people today. God, can I ask you a question? Is there anything too hard for God? There's someone here that has uh, fibromyalgia or even the beginning stages of MS. And I'm gonna pray for you today. Someone that just even has some sort of beginning stages of Parkinson's disease. I'm gonna pray for you today. If you need a healing in your body, I promise we'll be out of here two minutes, but it'll be worth the, the next two minutes. Raise your hands. Sense the cool wind of God's Holy Spirit coming in this tent. The wind of healing right now to come in these tents. If you need healing in your body, come on, mind or heart, soul or spirit, your physical body, would you raise your hands? Holy Spirit, eyes closed. We invite the wind of healing, the wind of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would liberate the, the depressed mind, the chronic fatigue, the adrenal gland exhaustion. I pray, Lord, today that you would heal reproductive organs. I pray that those that have been struggling with fertile, uh, being fertile, this would be a season of getting pregnant. And I ask you today that cancer in this moment would be healed. I pray, Lord, for the, for the guy that has a problem with his neck. There's some sort of severe pain in, like, his Adam's apple. I pray that you would heal it today. I pray for the lady that has a, a cyst she's worried about on her back or some sort of weird, uh, uh, like, 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 skin, uh, some sort of skin. Uh, it's like a weird, uh, in, 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 uh, it's like a discoloration of your skin. And God's going to heal it today. You think it might even be cancer. I pray that you'd heal, Lord, even... Um, melanoma today I believe some of you have had problem, chronic problems with melanoma and I pray today in Jesus name I pray for my friend Mike that he wouldn't have to get anything else removed from his body I pray that you would heal him God from this day forward 
heal, Lord, that the years that the sun has damaged their skin, I pray that you would heal it in a sovereign moment. We invite you, Lord, today. And the last thing I do is I take authority today over the spirit of death. I command you that you have no victory in Oceans Church, that whom the sun sets free is free indeed. David said, I would have lost heart unless I would have believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I pray that this would be a suicide-free zone, a cancer-free zone. I ask that this would be a place that people would come to live and not die. Let it be a gateway to heaven. I pray the virtue of Jesus would flow strong in this church like an ocean breeze. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Just put your hands in your heart today. We seal this word. We declare, Lord, that we are revived. Would you, could we just declare this today? Say, I am revived by the words of Jesus. Yeah. I am released by the power of community. I prioritize reclining at the table of communion, spending time with God daily. And I pray that I would radiate a super glowing light that the world would know that you're real because of the light that you shine through me from this day forward. I'm a super glower in Jesus' name. I would love it if you give him a hand clap today. Come on, church. He's good. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.